Welcome to Bugs and Beards, the podcast home for everything fly fishing and fly tying. Kick back as we sit down and talk with some of your favorite fly tires and fishermen while we discuss with them the tips and techniques they've learned on the river and behind the vice so that you can use those lessons learned to make your time more effective. Hey everybody, welcome to another Bugs and Beard podcast. We got a really cool guest on with us today and a pretty good show. This is the start of our second season and... Um, this is the kind of guest we want to have on for this year. We're going to dive a little bit more into tying. Um, we're still going to have a lot of urinymphing stuff on, but we want to, you know, feature tires a little bit more since I'm a tire and, you know, I got a lot of connections with tires. So it's going to be easy to get a hold of them guys, more or less. But uh, Pat, you got anything new going on? No, not really. Praying for some rain, get out, do some fishing. Kind of excited about tonight's guest. Yeah, this is cool. And and the cool thing is is we got him in the studio and this is actually the first guest in the finished studio. Oh yes. Yeah. We did one podcast, but it was still all drywall and no mud. Um and mud, so uh but now it's a nice cool finished studio and anyhow. Our guest today is really cool and he's from my local area here in the, the central Pennsylvania area. It's Walt Young. Uh Walt has a history in the industry and we're gonna dive into that. Um, you know, how he got into the industry and all those kinds of things, but let's just get into it now. How you doing, Walt? I'm doing real good, Sean, and yes, this is a very nice surrounding. Too bad this is, you don't have, we don't have video on this, <laughs> but very, very impressive little studio and uh, playhouse you have here. Yeah, that's pretty much what you call it. Yeah, this is my little playhouse. I got my YouTube studio over there in the corner for shooting my YouTube videos and then uh, just a nice little quiet away from every all the noises in the house so it's it's been working out good for us the quality has really increased on oh, the yeah. sound quality and stuff i agree but, sounds way better out here yeah i hope so so that's what we was after but uh so tell us a little bit about yourself Walt. well we'll stick with the fly fishing part of life i guess i uh i've been fly fishing and fly tying for uh 55 years i started when both uh, of those pursuits when I was 12 so I'll let you do the do the math on <laughs> uh, the uh, how long I've been around on, on planet earth um, my dad uh, didn't hunt or fish I, I, di I didn't come from a an outdoor related family and a lot of people find that amazing but I did grow up out in the country so to speak uh, and uh, we had a uh, stream in the front yard unfortunately it, it was a trout stream when my dad bought the property it got wiped out by acid mine drainage mm. and my dad never he, he bought that property because he thought he would like to start trout fishing hmm. and it got wiped out by acid mine drainage right after he bought the property so i my dad that soured him he never fished and i never got to grow up beside a trout stream but uh, fortunately, my parents were pretty indulgent of my outdoor activities. Uh, you know, we're talking 1964, the early mid-60s. There wasn't quite all the uh, distractions, both good and bad, that kids have today. Uh, and, and just growing up uh, in the outdoors, uh, I had such an affinity for it that I, I was always down at the creek or up in the woods doing something with nature and so forth and i was uh, 
pretty smart kid, and I loved to read. And I could, uh, so I got the, every outdoor magazine I could get my hands on. I got a hold of every book. And, of course, we didn't have things like podcasts or YouTube or the, just, or the Internet, uh, even just videos. Uh, there was no VHS videos back then or DVDs. And, and a lot of the literature that was available wasn't all that great. Uh, I mean, I, I taught myself to fly cast, spent hours out in the backyard, and, and learned all wrong. The oh, 10 yeah, and 2 no book under your elbow. I had to read when I got a little older, or in the, probably into my early 20s, and got around some folks who could really cast. They, they, they told me, you gotta, you're not, you're not going to be getting any better than you are right now if you don't learn this right, which I, I did, and I was eager to get some good instruction. And fly tying was even worse uh, because there was very little uh, good uh, books and instruction on fly tying and the uh, the few older guys that uh, that did tie flies that I could uh, f- get in touch with w- wouldn't tell you anything secrets right yeah i mean it was yeah. it was almost cult like and if they did tell you something sometimes it it seemed like it was wrong they they were really trying to like they were part of some elite club that's one of the good things that's changed nowadays uh, there's all kinds of uh, good instruction out there. There's a lot of there's a lot of bad instruction out there too. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But if somebody wants to get good at at, at the fly tying uh, and and the fly fishing too, they certainly can. Uh, For sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the other thing was very limited materials. Uh, I know, obviously, you're in the the, the, the fly material business. Your right. family is, yep. and uh, so. And you, I, I can tell you like to, to, to experiment and there's just almost an unlimited amount of material. There's almost too much nowadays. Oh, there is. Yeah, there is. Yep. And, uh, I, I can remember though, scrounging around trying to find material. There was only a couple places here in our area, uh, back in the sixties the, the where you could actually find it on, on the hook. Uh, and my goodness, you have more fly tying material hanging over there <laughs> in the corner <laughs> by your by your tying setup than than some of the the quote unquote fly shops it, uh, did back in the day. And actually, most of them were just tackle stores that had a little spare space in the corner, and that's that's where they had their fly tying stuff. Yeah. So you scrounge for feathers, uh, and, and, and quality wasn't an issue back then, like this quality of the capes that we have now the genetics oh, and all oh that yeah that's that's a whole show in itself but yes yeah and that's one uh, you know point that i was going to say too the the, the quality of the, of the materials the genetic hackle right. is probably the biggest thing yep well just like graphite rods you know <laughs> again i'm I'll date myself sound sound like i'm a, I'm a real old uh, old school guy which i am but uh and i freely admit it but say if if you weren't uh fly fishing before graphite rods and if you weren't tying flies before genetic hackle mets and then later whiting yeah uh sit sit down and relax and, and uh, come back in 20 or 30 years when you get good at this but uh no, that's that's the wonderful thing. Uh, the materials, well, there's almost too much out there. 
uh, nowadays. Uh, it, it can be a little mind-boggling and daunting for the folks that want to do it. But, uh, but I soldiered through it. And, and, of course, back in those days, too, another big difference between then and now, almost anybody who was a serious fly fisherman tied their own flies. You had mm. to. Oh, yeah. You had to. There was hardly anywhere to buy them. And, uh, or limited supply right. locally, uh, you know, in our area. And, and, and we can speak about that because this area here is Trout Central. It is. I mean, uh, it's always been one of the, the, the best trout uh, fishing destinations in the east where, you know, here in central Pennsylvania. And uh, even with that, there was only a couple big suppliers. I mean, back in the day, uh, E. Hilly in Williamsport. Right. That, yep. that was one I probably, as soon as I got old enough to drive, uh, I was up there because you mail ordered. Right, yep. Hillies and then Herders was another one, the, the old Herders catalogs. That was just, a, I still have, I, I can't bear to throw them away. They, If you've ever seen one of them. I didn't know Herders car- carried fly tying material. Oh, my goodness. Me. That was, he was, they were the biggest in the world, oh, probably. Oh, okay. If you, <laughs> the, sometime, I'll bring you one of the old Herders catalogs from the 60s. You can't believe the stuff in there. Wow. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Anybody that, uh, that can remember herders, that, that'd be another good, uh, uh, criteria for if you're old school <laughs> or not, if you, if you bought for, well, I remember Hillies. I have the yeah. old green box. So, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough for Hillies, but not, not herders. Yeah. Well, uh, Hillies, I don't know which is older Her, herders. I mean, was around for years and, and so was Hillies up in Williamsport. Yeah. But uh, Herders went out of business uh, long before Hilly did. Oh, okay. It's yeah. not the same as the Duck Hunting Company then? It's no. A okay. Well, they're just kind of using the name, from gotcha. what I understand. Okay. Uh, and, and I don't know. I, I, and some of the books uh, that Herders had, well, of course, that he had that fly tying book. You, there's still tons of them on eBay. Okay. That was my, my, when I got that, it was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> All, you know, it was the most fly tying information I ever saw. And there's still some stuff in there I do. Um, the, he, I, th- I think that's where I got the, uh, the idea to wet blend dubbing. And I still, I don't blend dubbing much anymore because you don't need to. Right. There's so much prepackaged stuff. Right. You don't have to shave musk, muskrat <laughs> scr- skins. I'm gonna say that fast three times. <laughs> muskrat skins or squirrel skins or goodness knows whatever kind of skins and then blend the fur and to get to get the right combinations in the color plus all the the wonderful synthetic dubbings we have now too so that's another another big then and now thing and i'm i'm a big fan of dubbing i love uh i love playing with it and mixing mixing it and all that so that that sort of thing so yeah it was all mail order so you could uh, back in those days for the most part so you'd order and you know, it, even like if you want a piece of elk hair or or a piece of uh, of, of muskrat fur or one of the dubbing furs, where that comes off the animal, you know, you're oh, getting yeah, you're getting a piece a two or difference. three inches square, four inches maybe. Well, you know, depending on where that came from, uh, on the animal, and it's all I mean, all good. Um, so the better companies would, would be more specific, you know, they would say this is from the back or the flank, whatever, and, uh, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you had to know your material too. Yeah. Yeah. For, I'll just, I'll, 
well, I guess date myself a little bit, but I can remember as a kid getting waiting every year for the Fly Fisherman's Paradise catalog. So that was my mail order back then. But, yeah, they've been around for 40 years. I, I've been buying off them. <laughs> In fact, I guess I actually worked there for eight years. Yeah. So, but yeah, I was in there. They, and they were one of the first Mets dealers right. uh, around when yep. they started. So, of course, that was a great place to get hackle and you could go touchy feely. Yes. And, uh, you know, and they're still, they're still going strong. Steve Sawinski, you know, yep. longtime friend. And, uh, you know, he's been in the business. Uh, you know forever too 40 over 40 years yeah. and that's that's pretty much unheard of in this so-called industry no doubt yeah well in for an older shop to stay around too is a lot of the older shops have died off because they haven't gone they haven't became new they haven't joined the internet and mm-hmm. you know a lot of the older shops are run by older people who aren't comfortable with the internet and that kind of things and that's kind of killed the industry a, 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 the old school industry oh, at least yeah. i would say so well not and not just the fly shops i mean <laughs> i just i order too much stuff from amazon it's too easy <laughs> well it, well but it is i can find what i want yeah and sometimes i find stuff that i didn't even know existed <laughs> but i still i still like to go to the shop and yeah, touch and I, yeah. feel yep. and Absolutely. see the different colors yeah. and yeah there's certain things that i want to do uh yep. there, well just for example whiting saddle yeah okay I know if I get a whiting saddle, whatever color I want, it's going to have, it's going to be great. The quality is going to be there. Right. But, you know, they have a very narrow range of sizes on them. Yes. Most of the time it'll be two, maybe three will be the key sizes. Yeah. You know, it'll be say like you'll get one that's, that's heavy in 12s and 14s. Right. Maybe 14s and 16s or 16s and 18s, you know. And so it, it's nice to even have hands on there. Or, or at least if you can call the, the place or email them and say, you know, hey, this is, this is what I'm looking for. Cause we have a ton of people do that at the shop. Call in and say, hey, what sizes is that? Yeah. You know, we, we, Your dad sizes all that money. He when sizes they come in. them yeah. all and, yeah, and puts them all on because that's important. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yes. that's the thing you can't see over, over the internet. And again, it doesn't make one better or worse than the other. It's nope. just, but if, if, if I need 16s and 18s, I don't want one that's right. 12s and 14s. Yep. So. No, that's, uh, and that's a big help too, because, uh, you know, there's so many folks getting in, I call them casual fly tires, hobby tires now. And, uh, there, it's easy for them to get over, overwhelmed. Yeah. They don't know the, the ins and outs of it. Uh, so. Yeah, it is. And, and they kind of allow themselves because there's so much stuff out there and you think, they put themselves in the boxes. This is the pattern. This is what I have to have to tie it. And it's got to be this exact thing. And, and that's not really the case. The fish can't tell the difference between, you know, mean between brands of dubbing or anything like that. But I think that's where everybody starts out. Cause I was like that when I started out. Yeah. I think when people get into it and I, I see them when they're first getting into it, that's the way it's got to be. Yeah. There's no substitute, but the more and longer you've been in it and do it, <laughs> boy, you can substitute anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you end up doing most of your, your own thing instead of standard patterns. Yep. Yep. But, you know, but that's the thing that drives me crazy, though. I see so much. I, I love the innovation and creation now. You know, I'm still buying books. Oh, yeah. Some of the, some of the, the good uh, innovative tires. 
it, you know, at this point, I, you know, if I learn one or two things or pick up one or two little tips, for me, it's good. I mean, exactly. I, I have probably... I said, like, when you started out, there was hardly any books. Well, guess what? There was a big boom. Yes. Starting in the 70s. Yep. I, it was the revolution, you know, and I, you know, hung in there. Yep. And I probably have well over a 1,000 titles wow. in my uh, fly fishing, fly tying library. Yeah. I mean, I, I have everything. Yep. Every, every book that's been written that, that's worth anything in the last, I'm going to say, 50 years and, and, and even before that. But mm-hmm. anything in the last 50 years that, that's relevant, that's, that's any good at all. And a lot of stuff that wasn't any good. <laughs> and I got to meet a lot of the authors uh, of a lot of the books, um, you know, uh, from... Uh, obviously uh, we have a lot of good guys in this area or in some, in some cases had like yeah. George Harvey. I got to know George was my hero. Yeah. I that's, got, I got to meet a lot of guys. That's, and that's another thing that drives me crazy about some of the younger guys. They're gung ho and they're all into this European, this and fancy that. And they don't, but you'll, you say, I, I've actually said Ernie Schwebert. Yeah. And they go, who? You know, and that just drives, they don't realize the shoulders we're standing no, on. No doubt. And that's one thing that I am really jealous of you of. I've been tying for 30 some years. Since I was 12 years old is when I started. I'm 44. And uh, and when I did it back then, we were, we tied so we could fish. And we, mm-hmm. But I wasn't in it like I am today. And I wasn't in the industry and around the people. And like, I missed out on all those people. And you were yeah. there during the charlie fox and yeah i met charlie you, you know uh shank and all them guys and now i've yeah, had, i know ed real well yeah, I, of course. i've had the pleasure of meeting a lot of those older guys but you know they're they're going quick you know well i had the the pleasure of ed shank again not to brag about but i mean i i worked hard at this i spent way too much time time fly yeah but i had ed shank tell me that i tie up shank sculpting better than shank does <laughs> he, he said that in the middle of it he was doing a presentation uh-huh. a trout unlimited meeting i about fell off my stool yeah and uh this pretty neat gary lafontaine right uh, i met gary gary was a judge uh at uh, when i won the new jersey state championship the first time uh for fly tying and one of the patterns was a lafontaine sparkle pupa mm-hmm. And it was kind of funny, you know, the, uh, I guess we were going all over the place, but it's all relevant. Oh, that's fine. We, uh, everybody tied. Uh, I, I was in, uh, f- they had five categories at New Jersey. It was an invitational, and I qualified for four of the f- uh, five categories, everything except dry fly. And uh, the nymph pattern was the sparkle pupa. And, of course, when you, you tied it, you your flies, you put them on a numbered block of styrofoam, mm-hmm. you know, so everything was anonymous. And I took mine over, and I just kind of, you know, look at looking over the table, seeing, hey, well, you know, what am I up against right. here? Am I, am I in the ballpark here? And uh, Gary come over. I kn- I'd known Gary. I'd had dinner with him. I, you know, uh, worked a lot of shows with him. I was at a booth right across from him uh, one time, and we got to be good friends there. And then, like I said, I'd had dinner with him several times at the right. show. And... Uh, just a very nice down to earth guy and uh we lost way too soon yeah. uh you know it was terrible but uh he come over and he said uh he, he how's it going walt i said good gary and uh, he reached down and 
picked up my block of flies and I'm just about turning white. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, I got to get out of here. And he looked at he looked at that and he goes, that's better than I can tie the sparkle pupa. <laughs> I just about fainted. And I, I said, well, I said, well, Gary, I'm in this competition. I got to go. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to look like, and I, cause I knew he was one of the judges. Right, and I said, yeah. I so, oh yeah, just, you know, stuff like that too. I mean, for all the, the, uh, you know, I, I, the notoriety that I've, I've been very, very fortunate to get. And I'm very humbled and gratified by, by it all because I, you know, I was just a, a skinny little kid, 12 year old kid with, you know, wonder in his eyes and started this and uh it's it's a it's a hobby a sport uh and a business it's been right. very very good to me and 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 most of it's the people i say that to this day all I the agree. great people i got to meet and and uh and get to know and, and a lot of my my literally my heroes because when i was a kid i didn't have pictures of sports guys ball players up on my wall i i had pictures of of guys like uh joe brooks Yep. A.J. McLean, Joe Brooks was the, the fishing editor for uh, Outdoor Life magazine and a really a guy who really advanced fly fishing, especially saltwater fly mm -hmm. fishing, back when they didn't have anything to fish with. He fished a ton with Lefty, didn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he actually gave Lefty his start. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> he was Lefty's mentor. Yeah. If you can imagine anybody being a mentor to Lefty. I was and there's that. another guy I got to know yep. and talk to. And Lefty was a heck of a photographer, too. Yes, a lot was. of guys don't realize that because in his last 20 years or so, I mean, he wasn't sh writing and shooting as many photos. But uh, left, he wrote a book on outdoor photography, and when he autographed it for me one time, he said, you know, he said, and Lefty's written, I I'll bet if I stacked all Lefty's books up, it would be taller than me. Probably. I mean, yep. seriously. And, uh, and I have... Pro, you know dozens of his books because yeah. i mean he was a very prolific writer and a very good writer and uh he said of all the books i've written now this was probably back in the 80s he said i think this is my favorite and i said i'll tell you what left it's it's a really good book and it was photography that guy was very verse and he wasn't just a fly fisherman either he could pick up anything and fish with it. yeah anything and fish with it and that's how he got to know joe brooks he was a smallmouth fisherman on the Potomac River in Maryland, where mm -hmm. he lived. And Joe wanted to catch some smallmouth. And they said, well, that guy craves who you want to go with. And uh, Lefty took him out. And, uh, and Joe's fishing with the fly rod. And, and Lefty, where, I, where do I get one of these? <laughs> I mean, it was neat. I mean, it just, just neat stuff. Yeah. And uh, he was always very deferential to Joe Brooks. Yeah. And, of course, look at all the guys that, that Lefty started. Bob Clouser. Right. Another dear friend yep. of mine. You know, he, and Lefty re returned the favor, so to yep. speak, by uh, Bobby Popovich. Popovich. Yeah, the saltwater tire yep. from, you know, there's another guy. You know, and probably a whole bunch of guys. I just I didn't bring any notes and didn't. But yeah, I mean, and that's how this is supposed to work. Right. That's how this is supposed to work. You know? Exactly. And I, and I love that about this industry. I mean, that's how I, I've been pushed along and stuff like that. I'm in your shoes. Like I've, you know, I'm doing the shows now. I'm doing what you did a while ago right now. So, you know, I'm just catching My sympathies. Up. I know. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm being surrounded by the greats of today and you know, you're, Camisas and Josh Miller and them guys at the shows and and it's been a blessing to me. I mean, I've made some great friendships. Some of my best friendships are 
obviously I always say, I always say when I go to work, I don't go to work to make friends. I go to work to make money. If you want to be my friend, you're going to be beside me on the stream. And, uh, and that's kind of my best friends are the guys that I have at the fly shows and stuff like that. Mm. And, uh, so I know what you're saying about meeting the old guys. And I've, you know, I've been around Bob Clouser a lot. I've met Lefty a couple of times. I, I've got to meet a lot of incredible people that I would have never had the opportunity to meet. And it's just such a such a blessing to be in this industry. The people were so different. Yeah, it's, absolutely. I, I, you know, I, I've worked construction and different jobs like that. And I told my wife when we started doing the, the fly fishing thing, with my dad, I said, I, I got to get away to get back into the outdoor industry. As I did taxidermy for 10 years and uh, then got out of it and the industry changed. I got out of it, you know, did other jobs. And I, I said, I got to get back in that outdoor industry. There's just no people like the people in the outdoor industry. So, Yeah, it, it's uh, it's been an interesting ride. And I get a kick out of people tell me that, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm guiding now. I never thought I'd be guiding at this stage of my life but it pays the bills yeah and that that and it's mostly because of a very unexpected turn in my life that i'm not going to get into here right now tonight because it's irrelevant you know i had a wonderful great job that i loved and uh one day i was 58 years old and they said like so many like happens they said uh well, we're done here with <laughs> your, your job just been eliminated right. <laughs> here's your severance check your health insurance runs out noon tomorrow i'm 58 years old and i gotta decide what i want to be when i grow up wow. which was no fun in 2010 right That's uh tough. right in the middle of the obama first obama uh, administration and all the economic downturn there and yep. you know i won't get into the politics of that but we all lived through that <laughs> uh, you men i mean and somebody's on everybody's on their own side of that equation i'm not going there this we're having too much fun yeah but and uh the, the the fortunate thing was I had guided for for years part time, just again to be stay around the guy. Yep, it was so much fun, and uh, and I I have this discussion almost every month, every couple of weeks with with guys yeah. that I you know and they, and they say wow that's great you know and you tell them you know oh I've been tying flies and I was a professional fly tire at one time worked in fly shops and I've been a writer and did this and did that. <laughs> And uh, they say, wow, that must be so neat being able to make a living doing what you love. I said, well, that's not exactly how it works. Yeah. You have to be will You have to love living on what you can make in this business. <laughs> Nobody's getting rich at it a April for the Vol most part. April Volke, I was listening to one of her podcasts, and it was about being a guide, what it takes to be a guide. And uh, she had some, she had a whole bunch of other guides on there saying what they thought. And one guy on there said, if you want to be a guide, you have to realize that the retirement plan for a guy, a fishing guide, is death. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> or the other one, another really good one I heard was, uh, what do you call a uh, fly fishing guide who just broke up with his girlfriend? <laughs> Homeless. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a whole bunch of yep. them. Well, I'm not quite in that boat. And again, not to get into a lot of details and stuff, but I, I, I guide for a private club, so it's kind of a... a a, 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 a closed shop i don't have to go to shows and beg yeah. people to come fish with me yep. and and that sort of thing and and that's that's the way i want it and i guide all on private water so i'm not out there getting in folks 
who worked all week to get a day off to go fishing. Right. And I'm dragging, got, you know, so, and that's just my thing. I, I know you're a guide and, and, you know, yep. and I, and I, God bless you. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, out on, on open water on, on, in public water. And that, that's great. And, you know, but I, I just, I don't know that I could, I could handle that. I just, you know. Yeah. So. It's, it's one iron in the, in the fire. That's yeah, exactly. And that's what yep. guiding's always kind of been too. Cause I still do some writing and, uh, I should, you know, should be working on a book or, <laughs> or I should be working on my third or fourth or fifth book probably. <laughs> but I always did enough writing that I just never had the, the urge to do it. Well, I just didn't want to do a me too book. Yeah. And then about three years ago, maybe four, it hit me. I know exactly what I want to do. The book that I want to do. That's just, I think it'll be different enough. It'll be, it'll have a lot of good information. It'll be a good contribution rather than just me too. Right. Or the world according to Walt, you know, right. I, so, uh, and that was always my, my hold back. Uh, because I, like I said, I had enough to do in terms of writing and, and all of the other media that, uh, you know, I've been published, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, oh, I really love to see my name in print. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I do too. But I, where I really like to see my name is next to where it says pay to the order of on right. the check. <laughs> that, that, okay. that really helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't do a lot of, a lot of freebie stuff. Uh, and you know, there again, that gets, that kind of gets tense when you talk about all the, the social media st stuff now. That, and, and, you know, a lot, a lot of folks are into that. And I'd do that if I could figure out how to make a buck at it. And I, I got a couple ideas. I just don't have the time right now to, 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 to work on them. But. And, and that's the thing. To make the buck at it on social media, you have to have the time. It's, social media mm -hmm. money is all about time. Yeah, People and I just... jobs out of that. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. Well, while we're on social media, let's dive into social media and change what let's get into it. I, and I'll open it up by saying we were talking before the podcast started mm -hmm. signature flies and uh, my signature fly is a steelhead candy. That was the first fly that I tied that was pretty much unique that I hadn't seen anybody ever tie before, which is a plastic egg behind the behind the hook with a nymph in front of it with the egg is attached. I'll show you one after the thing here, but it was kind of unique. Nobody tied anything like it. I put a YouTube video out of it and it like instantly exploded. And when I would go to the fly tying shows, that's what I was sitting tying all the time. You know, I can't tell you how many hundreds of dozens of them I sold. And that's my signature fly. Your signature fly has your name on it, but your signature fly is from before social media, before, you know, when word of mouth A April was April 1984. Media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 35 years and counting now. Yeah. And and how did it get out there? Like, how did it? Well, the, well, you're talking about Walt's worm. Right. The, yep. the simplest, most basic fly there is. And it's, it, it's an interesting story. Uh, but first and foremost, before I go and say, I did not name it the Walt's Worm. <laughs> uh, you know, I just never got into that right. stuff. And I've, I've created a lot of pattern. I tell people, too, that's a good fly. I, I got a whole bunch more in the holster yeah. that nobody knows about. That I, 
couple are even older than the waltz worm that are even more of a go-to fly for me than the waltz worm yeah you know and when i if i ever get the book done <laughs> you know i just don't have this overwhelming thing to be that, to tie a fly and, and and hang my name on it and like joe's this and right. dave's that and john's that or yep. smith's this jones that it just to me that just real and so many of them weren't really anything special right okay they 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 put a different color tail on it or, exactly you know, or something i mean come on guys it's a variation it's already yeah. been done before yes and and even the waltz worm if you've seen it 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 is yeah you know, it's almost embarrassing for me you know i i'm considered a master grade fly tire presentation grade i i tied you know, I've, I've got as high as $285 a dozen for flies. Wow. Okay. For presentation grade stuff. That wasn't waltz worms. No, <laughs> no, nobody, <laughs> nobody wanted to pay 15 bucks a piece for waltz worms. I, ju I just tied an order of, of hair wing salmon flies, Atlantic yes. salmon flies for a guy. And, that, and those were, that was, uh, they were, they averaged around five bucks a piece. Yep. And I tied almost a hundred of them. But I, you know, they were, that was a labor of love, yep. you know, cause I, I tied salmon flies. I started tying them when I was in my twenties, but I've never been, this is as close as I've ever been to an Atlantic salmon where we're sitting right here, which is probably 900 miles from it, the closest Atlantic <laughs> salmon fishing, but getting back to the waltz worm, uh, there, it was just a, such a simple, basic fly. It was just basically, and it was, just, everybody wondered, what, what was it supposed to imitate? It was supposed to be a sinker with a hook in it. Oh. I, mean, I was back, back, this is 1984, April of 1984. At that time, I, I, Spring Creek was my home stream. Spring Creek in, uh, near State College. Right. It was just an amazing place. I could, I could do three shows about the, the glory days on Spring Creek back in the late 70s, early 80s. And, and that's where I really, it was a great laboratory to learn to fish nymphs. And I had my favorite nymph pattern. And uh, I was getting ready to go uh, fishing the next morning. It was a Wednesday, I'm pretty sure, because I had Wednesdays off back then. And I, I had just tied up a couple dozen of my go-to nymph pattern that I developed on Spring Creek. And uh, I said, you know, the water's still up and high and cold. And I always, I fish two nymphs most of the time. I said, I had to come up with something that, uh, just something really heavy, a second fly that's really heavy. Put my, my good nymph on the point, and then I, I, t I used a true dropper. I had a special way of tying droppers. And I, something on the dropper about a foot foot and a half up above little let little less split shot and what the heck make it look like something they might eat and if they want to they want to eat my extra sinker quote unquote right <laughs> that's good too because it has a hook in it <laughs> and so i'm sitting there at the bench and uh i think it was they it was size 10 get this size 10 96 71 mustad oh. hook that's a 2x long standard nymph hook straight right. shank on it and I got out probably some 20, 25,000 diameter lead wire. Boom, boom. Wrapped four shanks, four hooks with that. Okay, what am I going to put on this? And there was uh, a package of uh, hair's ear dubbing, prepackaged hair's ear dubbing, which was a, a godsend. 
and it was well and it was hairline yep. bob borden's hairline oh no more shaven bunny faces yep. shriveled up dried bunny why anybody would buy one of them <laughs> shriveled up bunny faces <laughs> it, uh, but and they this stuff would, too oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah they're not yeah, tan they man they're yeah. oh uh, yeah that's that's an experience that i don't miss yeah it's, it's brain tan or something mm. like that oh it's it just is. awful it's, one. it's just awful but beautiful it's in a, it was in a package had a little well, paper slip with the yep the, exactly the bunny on it yep. oh, yeah and i, I even i even have a pack i i forget how once the waltz worm hit i uh, i forget how many uh, packages of that i used a year but uh and bob even autographed the, the slip the 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 insert card on uh-huh. one of them for me <laughs> uh i you know I, that's a long story how that came about but a friend of mine knew bob borden and got that he was the guy doing hairline anyhow i'm going hair's ear how can you go wrong with hair's yeah, ear right. you know great you know that's still i have three magic materials for for nymphs and that's one of them and so i just wrapped it around there kind of cigar shaped uh four i th- did those four there it was just some hairs here <laughs> no legs no tail no hot spots, no beads. That, that was even before beads. Yeah. That was a couple of years before beads hit the scene. Roman Moser and those guys from Europe. And, uh, yeah, remind me to tell you about my first reaction to beads, too. <laughs> tell you how smart I am. But, anyhow, he's, long story short, went to Spring Creek the next morning. It was, you know, real cold. Water, water was 38 degrees when I started that morning. Wow. I'll, I'll never forget that. And... Uh, I rigged just as I said my my uh, my my go-to nymph on the on the point the, the waltz well that then the little gray thing yeah that's how I called it that <laughs> damn gray thing brown thing <laughs> and uh, started fishing uh, at the end of the day the the waltz worm the the what to be the waltz worm outfished my my best nymph ever twenty three to three. Wow. wow. <laughs> that got my attention. <laughs> and I lost all four of those, or it would have been worse. It wow. would have been even bloodier, probably. <laughs> that got my attention. Uh, that, I went home that night after losing the first four and tied four dozen, and the rest, as we say, is kind of history. Right. And the way, the way it got known was my good buddy, uh, who I fished with a lot at the time, Dan Shields. Okay. He, he, was a, he was a part owner in Fly Fishers in State College. Yep. And we fished together quite a bit. And it was springtime, and, and Dan, he, the, the, his shop didn't open until noon. He fished every morning. Every morning he went fishing, even if it was just an hour before he went into the store, yeah. went to work. So, I mean, and we love to get together and nymph fish together. And obviously, if he'd see me along the stream, we'd stop and maybe have a little friendly competition and, uh, or whatever, and uh, at least for a few hours. And, and some days we'd get together and fish longer. And I was just kicking butt one day with that little brown thing or little gray thing. Yeah. What are you using? And the little gray thing. What is it? I said, I don't know. I said maybe it's a it's like a almost like a water worm, which is a generic term for a crane fly larvae. Yes. Okay. Yep. That I mean, to me, that's what I I all the stuff and I knew my bugs. I just said, yeah, it kind of looks like a water worm. So here, take some, fish with some, you know. And then he started 
his friends, what is that? Well, that's that water worm that Walt ties, and you know, or, and it it became uh, Walt's worm. Dan mm-hmm. dubbed it Walt's worm, and then we put it in the shop. Yeah, he had he said, why don't you tie some? We'll put them into bins, and that that really got it going. It was just a local thing for, but it's even. I bought a book on uh, two winters ago, French nymphing, published mm-hmm. in the UK. I'm going in the back, you know, patterns for these right. guys that fish at, and there's a Walt's worm. That's wild. You know, and I, all, and it's really neat. I mean, you mentioned uh, Kim, Tim Camisa and, and Josh Miller. You know, I, I met them at a show here not too long ago. And I, want, I, I need to get out and fish with some of these young guys, yeah. too. I want to see if they actually can catch fish on that <laughs> goofy stuff that they Josh can. I'll, I'll vouch for them. <laughs> no, I, I know. Tim, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> but anyhow, hey, um, no, it was pretty cool. Uh, or the, you know, the European guys, and I've I've just seen it everywhere. And and the co- again, the cool thing is that's you, you'll be somewhere tying, or somebody will say, "You're Walt. Are you the Walt of Walt's Worm?" You know, I've had that. I yeah. had a guy from Canada call the shop when I worked there, and he, who's I speaking? I said Walt. And, he, and there was a big long pause, and he said, "Is this the Walt of Walt's Worm?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he started telling me about that. They're, they're catching king salmon on them in rivers up there. Wow, big, big, big ones. ones yeah. They call them Walt cigars. <laughs> <laughs> Just crazy stuff. But or or guys come up to you. That's the first pattern we tied the first night of fly, fly tying class. class. Yep. Yep. That's the that's what the I caught my biggest fish on, or I caught my first trout yep. on, or it's the only fly I can tie. But that's all I use. Yep. I mean, it, it's just it's so great, and it's like. I really wish I could take credit for that being that special, but it's just not. Yeah. But the only thing I've done since then, I I started mixing a little bit of Antron, mm-hmm. clear Antron, flash. to give it just a little bit of sparkle translucence. Uh, and then right after that, Bob Borden start, started doing Hair's Ear Plus, which is just his Hair's Ear, different uh, colored Hair's Ear dubbings with a little bit of Antron. So... I had I, I got out of the dubbing mixing business altogether, yeah, which yeah. didn't break my heart. So, and I finally just here a couple well a year or so ago, I got a guy who who had in the business who made me up a couple ounces to my specs just the way I wanted it. So mm-hmm. that should last me for. I mean, you know what you know what an ounce of dubbing looks like yes. a, a small pillow. Yes, you know, <laughs> or or one of those the biggers the big the the gallon size Ziploc bag jam full <laughs> that's gonna tie a few waltz worms for me. still a lot of dead rabbits yeah oh, man. yeah yeah i'm glad i didn't have to shave those bunnies <laughs> but now that's pretty cool i that's cool to hear the to hear the story and i'm sure a lot of people unless you're local a lot of people probably haven't heard the story of that because yeah you do a lot local local wise of you know writing in the paper and that kind of stuff so and, and that's how that's how I've known you forever, just from your articles, reading your articles. And one thing that Pat didn't really know that we, sh- Pat and I have picked up on the last couple of years is you love smallmouth fishing. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I had an out-of-body experience last Friday. <laughs> I, don't, I rarely fish for him with the fly rod, though. Yeah. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. Because I like anything, since I've been a kid, anything will stretch my string. I can pick up a bait casting outfit, a spinning outfit, fly rod, catch fish on them. Yeah. Boom, boom. So, I mean, I, I love all kinds of fishing. I mean, I, you know, obviously I dearly love fly fishing and I'm good at it. But yeah. 
Oh, I crushed them last Friday. Yeah, we've oh. we've gotten into doing it with the fly rod, and I've had a lot of fun with that. Oh and yeah, it allows me to, I, I guess, think outside the box with my tying and stuff, and get a little bit more creative with my tying. So, that's one thing. And, and there's a question I have for you: How, when you were a production tire, you know, tying for the shop there and stuff, like how did you handle tying the same thing over and over again? That just drives. Oh, I me love nuts. it. I actually love it. Oh, that drives me nuts. It's just a way after all day just to come home and, and just sit there and just same thing over and over and over and over again. Just pound them out. Yeah. Of course, you know, that's, yeah, just, I, I, I just, and it, it makes you so, you get so good though. Yes. You get so good. You're tying, you tie a hundred dozen of something, buddy. You know how to do that. My, <laughs> you know my steel head candy, I timed at one time. My steel head candy, I could tie in just under two minutes and and that was smoking one of those flies out but i tied hundreds of dozens like you said yeah yeah no no i really enjoyed production and i'm gonna tell you what there for boy six seven eight years i was averaging 10 to twelve thousand flies just for production and i have no idea how many more i tied for myself because i i go through a lot of flies yeah i did i mean i was a hardcore nymph guy and i i I, I kept records, you know, how many I caught and how many flies I'd start the season with. And I was averaging two fish for every fly I lost. Hmm. And I tried to hit a thousand trout on Spring Creek by the 4th of July. Wow. So <laughs> I tied some flies. But no, I love it. And, uh, you know, of course, they say doing the same thing over repetitively, you know, uh, is a and expecting a different result but right no actually i i just saw it kind of funny i don't even know why i remember this but i just saw a, a documentary on on einstein a couple of weeks ago on on the history channel or something and uh he made some of his greatest strides he, he took a job as a patent inspector in right. germany which was like woefully beneath him you know, it was just silly, you know, just yeah. busy work type stuff. But it allowed him to think about all this cosmic, crazy physics and stuff. And and he actually, he, he I think it's kind of the same thing with the production time, which, and again, because 10, 12,000 a year, that, I'll do the math for you. That comes out to three dozen flies a day, 365 days a year. Wow. <laughs> that's tying that is that is because there were days that i didn't tie so yeah, the day know. i didn't tie my three you dozen quota you gotta make up yeah, for yeah. it you yeah. do the math you betcha <laughs> you betcha so but i loved it and it made me one heck of a good fly tire mm. i mean i you know i got the credentials to prove it but and but but it's just that uh that, that mastering the craft i mean you know i don't know that fly tying's an art i've been told it was i've been told i'm an artist yeah i think well i'm a good craftsman i know my my dad was a master craftsman he a carp he actually could do stuff that made money yeah <laughs> with his hands yeah uh, you know i could tie I, I i could knock the flies out pretty well but but he did teach me you know attention to detail and pride in your work and work ethic yeah and that was the thing yeah but i know i love production tying and that's another thing that happened okay the op that's the only reason fly fishing has gotten as big as it 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 did you know especially what i call the river runs through it generation yes. yep. when that movie come out okay uh I, there's no way 
if we just depend, fly tying was at best, at best a cottage industry here in the United States. And I worked in fly shops that had, we had a bunch of American tires and they were woefully unreliable. Mm -hmm. They'd take these orders for a couple hundred dozen and it's getting close to, hey, you know, they're they're due on this date and then, well, you know, the dog ate my vice or, you know, (laughs) oh, or my kid's doing, you know, it it sounds like a good idea till you, you know, you have to sit down there. You sat all there all evening and boy, you only got a little cup full of flies. It's like, and I need like, a shoebox full of these flies right it gets a little dawning for some guys and um, even if the money was half decent i and i just thought the money was great i mean for sitting sitting in my living room watching tv drinking a beer yeah cranking out flies just cranking them out and and you learn all the shortcuts that's a neat thing oh about laying your materials out and, and things like that but you also get good at material, and that—that's oh, I love I love material, mm-hmm. I do, and uh, especially the natural stuff, the feathers and and that sort of stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with synthetics, but we got too much synthetics nowadays mm-hmm. that aren't worth. They're just, it's just material for the sake of material. Yeah, I, I that that part starts to annoy me, you know. And I, I I try to keep up with things a little bit, but every once in a while I have to get guys that younger guys like you and say, hey, what is this? What are we doing? What are they doing with this? <laughs> is this really any good? You know, because I I don't have the time to keep up, you know, with all the the social media stuff anymore. And yeah. and they aren't the, the we aren't producing the good books and stuff that I grew up with. You know, there aren't that many. I'm, there's still a few, and I'm glad to see they're hanging in there. Yeah. Well, it's. And there again, that's the times are changing. That's all the world we live in today. The books aren't. Mm-hmm. I still, you know, every time I go past Barnes and Nobles, if the wife's going to Alta or something like that, I'm walking in Barnes and Nobles yeah. and seeing what the new book is, seeing if there's patterns that I haven't seen. Yeah, before. And, and the, but have you noticed? <laughs> not not to knock Barnes and Noble because they're one of the few booksellers left. Right. God bless them. The the fly fishing or the fishing section gets about yep. went from about six shelves to about two, <laughs> two yeah, maybe yeah. one and two a half. Yeah, yeah, it's in between football and uh, yeah, forget what something. I, yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. But no, no, I I'm no, I haven't been at it as long as you, of course. But like, I'm always picking up books too. And my wife and and I'm gonna be straight up honest with you. I don't read. I can read, but I don't read and comprehend well. That's why I didn't bother going to college because I knew that like book learning was not my style of learning and, uh, you know, never was, never will be, but I can look at a picture and I can copy a picture. And, uh, so I've been collecting books for a long time. I have a stack full in up in my bedroom, probably, I don't know, waist high of books that's just there and I'll flip through them every once in a while, just try to stimulate the brain, think of something different, come up with something new, but. Yeah, for me, I just I find so much of the media. Well, of course, videos were the first offshoot, you know, yeah, back VHS. in probably the eighties, nineties. Yep. The VHS cassettes, the videos, and a lot of guys loved that. They loved to see yep. people actually doing it. To me, I found them just to be and and just like social media is now, trying to watch videos and stuff. It's a, a huge time suck. It is. It takes. I got to watch all twenty minutes of. And that's the other thing would drive me nuts. This guy, twenty minutes. I'm going. All right, now after you get the thread on, we tie in the tail, <laughs> and then I want you to. Do, it's like, dude, I'm done. Yeah, I'd be done. Yeah. And I understand you're you're, you're teaching, 
Yep. And, and I've, I do ton of flight dining demonstrations over my career. So, you know, you want to be able to do it. But, but every once in a while, I like to go, done. Yeah. That's how I do. I die the first one full speed. And they're going, what? What? <laughs> what? Dude, wait a minute. I said, I know. I know. Yeah. I just wanted to show you what you can aspire to. Yep. So I'm not trying to show off. Anybody can do this. I mean, I'm not overly gifted in any way that I know of. But, oh, yeah. When I, when I do but, a YouTube video, a, a three-minute fly takes me eight minutes to – is an yeah, eight-minute video. Yeah, but and, – and, and mostly I'll, I can look at a fly in, 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 a, in a good pattern book. And then being a photographer, too, yeah. I like close-up photography. Yeah. I can look at it, okay, and I can 90 – get. I know 90% no of the time I know how it's tied. Every once in a while, it's like, hmm, how did he do that? That's, yep. Or what is that material there? So, you know, look at the recipe chart yeah. there or whatever's with it. And, and that's why in my videos, I try to teach technique over pattern. Because when you get the techniques, you can look at yeah. a fly and learn it. You can do anything if yeah. you have the techniques. Yeah, absolutely. It. And that's, that's what a lot of folks don't get, yep. you know. Uh, the, a lot of the old standard dry flies, like, uh, let's see, a light Cahill and a uh what uh a hendrickson yeah are the same fly just different colors for the tail body wing right, right. you know and hackle yep it's exact if you can tie one you can tie the it's, other one it's still a catskill yeah and it's still a catskill fly why would anybody even tie that crap <laughs> get, no serious does anything well even just a, even a standard yeah. dry fly right does anything of all the flies and the wonderful flies we tie, does anything look less like what it's supposed to imitate than they do? Yeah. Why would a fish even eat one of them things? I mean, I'm a I'm total parachute guy. I mean, for... If, I, for I've gotten that way too. Parachute. Yep. I mean, I've, I, there's, there's times when uh, a, maybe a standard will fish as good as a parachute, but it'll never outfish a parachute day in and day out, in my opinion. And they so, lay better. Oh, they just, they yep. ca every, everything. Yep. They're a little trickier to tie, but not really. No. Uh -uh. I mean, I just, especially with the hackle we have nowadays. And, and especially if you're putting wings in your, you know, if you're tying it cat, cat skill style and putting wings in it and stuff like that, you're into time and all that stuff where I don't think you're any, any longer tying it parachute. Probably shorter, actually. Yeah. I think. I mean, because... But, and I, I quit putting wings on your standard dry fly. Yeah, I did too. I did that a long time ago. What's the point? Yeah. The hackle obscures it. Yeah. The hackle yeah. obscures And what, what's the hackle supposed to match? The legs? The legs. Or the, or or the, the wing. Or the wing. Yeah. It looks more like the wing. Yeah. A, a good pack, did you ever just wind them and just clip the bottom off short? Mm -hmm. like, like a quick and dirty thorax tie. Yep. They, they work really good. They float good. Yeah, they do. And, and <laughs> it's there to catch the fishermen. Yeah. Oh, yep. that's the thing. But, so many flies are tied for the fishermen and not for the trout. But, you know, in the wild thing about that hackle, I can remember George Harvey telling me, like, back in, George, I think, was born in 1910 or something like that. I think. I forget. But, yeah, I, I think around 1910. And he's for, he was from Dubois. And he the first dry fly he ever saw he thought that, you know, he, he saw the hackle. He thought they were individual guard hairs. And he, he tied, the first dry fly ever tied, he got a bunch of guard hairs off his, I think his cat. Oh, wow. 
and tied them in individually to duplicate. Can you believe that? Wow. Well, it took some time. I mean, so <laughs> I, I, was, I was complaining about no help <laughs> when I started out. Could you imagine in the early 1900s? Oh, no when, doubt. When there was, I mean, yeah. And but he figured it out. Till the end of season, the cat was bald. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Oh, I could see where he got that though. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's 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 amazing, and uh, yeah, the industry has come. That was one thing I wanted to talk to you about, and we've and we've done it the whole podcast here was talking about how much the you know the materials and everything has changed, and it even my you know thirty some years in and being around fly fishing and stuff, it's changed so much. Uh, you know, I grew up. And we went to kettle. I've been going to Kettle Creek for thirty some years too. So. For 30 years, I've been walking into Phil Baldacino's store, <laughs> you know, and and that's... And I probably haven't been in Phil Baldacino's in 30 years. <laughs> so, I wondered if he was he, he was even still around up yeah, there. He still, still looks there. the same, too, yeah. Wow. No, I... Uh, oh, he used to have some of the wildest stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that was, like, Fly Fisherman's Paradise, Phil's, those were... That was the options you had, and you had to travel to get to mm-hmm. anywhere that had material. It's such a different world. And now I haven't been to Kettle Creek and wow. I, but, I, but, but yeah. there again, that was a right of pat. When I first went to Potter County, it was all I'd heard about since I was a yep. little kid, Potter County, Potter, Potter County, County, Potter. And the first yeah. time I went up there, I got to tell you, it lived up to everything I'd heard. Yep. Potter County's Blair County's playground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in Pittsburgh too. Yeah. Always yep. big, especially back in the mill days, all those, all those guys that worked in the mill, they all yeah. went up and, had camps in Potter County. But yeah, it, I can just remember how little there was of a selection of things to use for material and it was all natural stuff and 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 some of those shops are still kind of the same way, haven't? And so it's neat to see how it's changed, but unless you've been there it's Well, let's face it, most of the shops now they all have the same stuff. They do. They're you know, I mean again, we're not to get into the to the inside baseball here, but uh uh, you know that you know that your your major suppliers like right. we we touched on hairlines one of them yeah. wopsies and another you major know and spirit. all the ones yeah exactly yep. and most of your shops they're going to have they're going to pick from their selection so they're they're all going to have the same packages the same you know for the most part you know some more or less other stuff and yep. maybe a few specialty things but they actually have stuff yeah, I, I w- wish I could tell you how much stuff I packaged yeah. when I worked in the fly shop. Cause, I bet. Because they did. I mean, Steve, uh, st- their fly fishers, he, he dyed a lot of stuff. Uh, well, still to this it, day, half mm-hmm. the stuff on Phil's wall up there has Phil Baldacino's name on the packaging. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. He's still old school like th- back then. So, But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's that's the thing. There's only some – there's a handful of suppliers that – all this we all get at the same place mm-hmm. so i mean you can't do that it, i think it's more area specific when you go to the fly shop yeah sure sure and, and you bet you know you're not going to walk into a fly shop in florida that's going to look anything like walking into our fly shop because salt yeah we don't have the big flash you know the big long flash and the hair wing stuff and but you know it's all available and in the internet that's the thing we were laughing we were joking my dad sent me a picture um do you get do you get the dealer stuff from Hairline still? No, no. Right. Okay. Well, I'm just going to tell you a little quick story. 
we got our dealer package of the new supplies from Hairline this year and all the new things that they, every year we get a bag with the new catalogs and the new products they're bringing out. And they had this new thing that come out with this year. It's called the mini squirmy worm or whatever, uh, whatever it is. It's a little squirmy worm, but it's a little bit different. So we, as soon as we see it, we're like, well, this is going to be the ticket this year. You know, this is what's going to sell. So we ordered a bunch in. We put it on the website. As soon as we put it on the website, we get an order from the guy up <laughs> just up the road from us a couple of miles. <laughs> I was the first customer. You were the first customer. I, I, yep. Because <laughs> nobody. That's funny. I wasn't going to give you a plug, but yeah, you plugged yourself. No, nobody really knows about them. That's why I, I thought maybe you. Well, got don't the tell anybody because I, I haven't had a chance to tie them and fish with them yet. They look killer. Oh, they do. They're they just, do. They're just a little bought, too big for this time of year. I've been fishing them. I had a couple hits on. Oh them my god! I've been ke- I've been crushing them on the the regular squirmies. Yeah, the you know and they're like spaghetti. Yeah, yep. I mean, but uh, well, I guide with them. Yeah. I and w- all that high water. Right. I mean, the last year and a half that we had here in Central Pennsylvania and m- most of the east, from what I understand, yeah. just a little bit of background. You know, some of the god awful stuff we had to fish with, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and even and it was well. It's midsummer till the water got down anything approaching normal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last year was incredible. And I just I kept, but most mornings I'll I'll start out with a squirmy unless I get somebody. Ah, I don't want to fish with that. Okay, no yeah. problem. I don't care. Right. You know it. I am I'm a very equal opportunity employer. <laughs> if it, if it has a hook, fish. yeah, they do. They yeah, they do. They do. And and here's the thing. I don't know. When I wanted to learn the bugs, I didn't. You know, I had all the bug books that you could get back in the early '70s, which were you know few and far between, and there's a lot more now. But I'm out there kicking with the same, picking right. up rocks, looking. I mean, right. like if you're going to try to imitate something, wouldn't you want to know what it looks like? That makes such a better tire. Yeah, and believe me, there's all kinds of little worms and larvae down mm-hmm. there. And just about any cut, and and that's the crazy thing about fly tying. I've told guys, I'm you know I am probably as rabid a fly tire as you'll get. And again, I, you know, a master presentation grade fly tire, but it rarely matters what fly you're fishing with. No, and it would be hard to pick something out of your box that doesn't look like something down there. Yep, and it's rare that, that the fish get locked into any one thing. There's there's times for sure, there's times, but most of the time i'm I'm a presentationist i'm still presentation trumps pattern 99.9 percent of the time the way you put it in a fish's face matters more than what you you put in the fish's face and the biggest thing of presentations not waiting like a ruptured rhino you know not scaring the fish away before you get within Mm -hmm. casting distance of them yep not slamming the fly line on the water i just i i just I marvel when I actually see somebody whose fly hits the water before their line does, that they actually <laughs> stop it and let it. Yep. You know, ah, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, good tuck cast. Or. But, or even just stop it. You know, yeah. I tell guys, you know, if you got somebody that, that that's throwing a decent line and, and it's not distance, like aim at a spot about three feet over exactly. the water. Yep. I said, you've heard of gravity, right? You've lived on this planet all your life. <laughs> Believe me, yeah. gravity will take it down there every time. You don't have to help it. Yeah. You don't have to help it. Don't be a water slapper. Yeah. <laughs> don't be a water slapper. 
now this has been great. Uh, it's been a fun podcast. We're going going for a long time here, but uh, any other stories you want to tell us before we're done? Well, we should get into competitions, his fly tying competition. Yeah, I want to know just a little bit. Yeah, we didn't give us a little that. brief because they're not around anymore at all. No, they kind of went away, and I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't want to make this to sound braggy, but. Uh, my good friend Tom Baltz, I, mm-hmm. you probably know Tom. Love him, he's a great guy. Oh, and what a fly tire. Yes. You know. And Tom and I, we get, we, you know, we, we're both in the Harrisburg Fly Fishers Club, and when I, I get down to the yeah. Cumberland Valley a lot right. for events. I always run into Tom, and we like, we've had dinner, and we like, we like a nice, nice cocktail mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, and we're getting to be two of the old guard around, too, yep. which is scary. But, uh, uh, and Tom said to me one time, he said, you know, you and I, you and I single-handedly ruined the Pennsylvania State Fly Tying Competition. <laughs> so I kind of put the blame there on Tom, okay. the bragging on Tom. <laughs> I, I want to have him on here, so I'll, I'll because him about that. Be, no, I, 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 six years in a row, I was, I was state champion runner-up, and then I retired and became a judge, and then Tom was state champion the next yeah. four years, you know, for a full decade, decade and everybody just said, yeah. the last year I tied, I come in first, Tom come in second. There were guys there from five different states. And I mean, some names, and I'm not going to do it because like I said, I'm not trying to right. show anybody up. That's not, because right. I, I, I like all these guys. I didn't get in it to do it. I got in it just, I wanted to see. Can I can I cut it? <laughs> I cut it. Yeah. You know, and I like I said, I I, I did very well. It, it it got me a lot of notoriety. I got me invited to all kinds of shows. Mm-hmm. Made it, but most importantly, it made me a bunch of really really good friends and long time yeah. lasting relationships. And the same thing with New Jersey. I did the New Jersey thing twice, but uh, Pennsylvania was a uh, that was the one that was near and dear to my heart. The uh, Cumberland Valley chapter of TU ran it, and it was at the big Harrisburg yes, short sports show. show yep. And of course, that that got waylaid when yeah. with uh, the gun issues with Reed Expositions, yeah. and the NRA took it over and went a different direction. I get it, you yeah. know, the world's changing. As we've we've talked about a hundred times here. Oh yeah. And but uh, it was an in- invitation, or it was an open, and there were three categories, you know, um, uh, open amateur and junior okay and uh you know obviously i was in the open and it was funny i remember uh there was a in some of the magazines i saw these fly tying competitions up in new england none of them were open to professional tires and the professional tire was anybody that's ever made money selling sold a fly no problem. I get it. Yep. And the guys from the Cumberland Valley just happened to come in fly fishers one day when I was in there. And they said, hey, you guys ought to get in this. And I said, oh, Jack, I can't. I said, I'm, I'm professional. I thought, no, no, he's open. And I said, hmm. So I, it had to, and so there, there it, it was a sheet and had the four flies you had to tie, a dry fly, wet fly, uh, streamer, and a nymph. Okay. And there, there was the four patterns. So. Okay, I started scrounging material, and of course this was probably about now the fall uh, in the fall time. Uh, well, now, of course, this podcast you could be listening to, me. Yeah. but it, it's fall. It's middle right. October as we're recording this, and they would bring it around, and then usually you know sometime about then, so you had time to get ready because that show was in February, and 
So, I said to my girlfriend at the time, hey, <laughs> we're going to Harrisburg. <laughs> we're going to Harris. And I think the first one was, was a Thursday evening when they had it. And, uh, and then, then it, it got to be a little bigger, and they started having them on Saturday afternoons, hmm. the, 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 the second, I think the last Saturday. Yeah. And uh, it was just really cool. Again, I made a lot of friends and, and uh, got to meet a lot of good tires and uh, was very fortunate to do really, really well. So, yeah. so they gave you a list of what you were tying in the competition yeah, so yeah. you could practice. And New Jersey was a little different. New Jersey was an invitational. They, I, they had five categories. And you had to submit okay. flies. Like you, uh, they, they had, re and again, required patterns because it was apples to apples right you know and they had say okay for the dry fly you had to tie an adams and for the wet fly you had to tie uh, like a light cahill and the nymph was a prince nymph yeah and whatever categories you wanted to uh tie you had to uh, uh s you know send Submit in one to, to that, yep. and they picked the three top guys to come and actually tie at the big fly show in new jersey okay and well I figured, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> I entered all five categories, qualified for three or all four. four. Yeah, everything but dry fly. Yeah. And long story short, I won all four <laughs> and the overall. <laughs> 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 and basically, don't ever come back. Yeah. No, no. But it was, it was really, really cool. Uh, you know. I, I saw a comp – I was wondering if it was that way because I saw a competition one time was they gave you a list of materials but didn't – that you had to have well but didn't tell you what you were going to tie so it kind of even the playing field yeah. out yeah well and you know darn it the year it was the year after i retired from competition or the or the second year after that's what they did in pennsylvania they had okay. a mystery fly yeah they told you you will need this and this right. and this and this and you know that shows a tire. Oh, I, I just wanted to get in that so bad. Yep. I, I really wanted, I thought that would be cool. That yeah. would really be cool. La so. Last year at ICAST, I did uh, Iron Fly, which you show up, they give you a bag of material, throw it in front of you, and tell you you have to create something out of a bag of material. And it's the stuff that didn't sell at Hairline <laughs> last year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I got the goodie bag here at the, at the time show a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah, and uh, but it, it was a lot of fun doing it. And you had to, you know, of course, the first thing I did was create something simple. I, I did a hair wing streamer, did something simple that was going to get me into the next round, and I made it into the final round. And But then the second round, they gave you something that you had to add into it. And you know what the squirmy worm on the squishy ball looks like? You, you know, when the squirmy worms first come out, you had to Oh, yeah, they were on those, those cat yeah. toys or yeah. some whatever. Those the heck rubber balls. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, imagine a, a beach ball size squirmy worm thing. So the squirmy worm butts were like this big around. <laughs> and, so it was and, like, and a, like a squirmy mop fly. Yeah, it was like a, it was bigger than a mop fly. Oh, bigger than a mop yeah. fly. Well, that's what they gave you. You had to incorporate into your fly. So I had to, I tied a squid looking pattern. And I, I think it come down to me and uh, I forget who it was. Jared Church, maybe. I, I think it was. Yeah, mm. I think it was Jared Church. It come down to me and him. But. Anyway, I didn't win the iron fly competition, but I was there, and it was the coolest thing. Oh, ever. I'm telling you, I, I mean, but but I think that's the true true champion there. If you can, if you're told what to bring, that means you know the pattern. A, you know the techniques to tie the pattern. Like if you know if you're to bring mm -hmm. this stuff, and you're gonna tie a 
a Prince nymph or whatever. Now, are you did you, you bring your own thread and bobbins and stuff? No, we were given all the equipment at Ironfly. You even they, even they even gave you the thread you had to use. Yep, it was a lot of fun to do. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I'd I'd yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd still like to do stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it was fun. It, it would be one. Actually, that would be a fun thing, like for a fly fly fishing show, like. You know any of the fly fishing shows around here? That would be, and I, I well, yeah, I'm getting an idea. We'll talk about it later. That sounds <laughs> good. Wheels are turning now. I just got an idea. <laughs> that sounds good. Anyhow, but tell it, us the story you were going to tell us, and then we're going to. Well, get yeah, I guess th- this would be a, a, a good one to finish up with. Uh, this spring, I, uh, I I met a guy that I I fish with all the time, good friend, and I you know guided him for several years, and he lives over in the western part of the state, over in Pittsburgh area. And uh, I pulled in, uh, and he was he was standing there by his vehicle, you know. And I, I pulled up and just cranked the window down, you know, shook and ha- shook hands. Hey, how you doing, buddy? You know. Uh, and he started laughing. He said, "Boy, do I got a story for you." And I said, "What?" He said, "He said a couple weeks ago, he said I was up up north somewhere, and doesn't doesn't really matter where. I I but I had actually done some programs up there years ago in that area at some of the the uh, the tu chapters and i think one of the fly shops in that area and uh he said uh, he went in the the local fly shop and asked him to you know hey what 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 they what are they hitting right. what's coming off you know the the usual drill and the guy said well where you got your fly get your fly boxes let me see what you got see what we're looking at there so the the guy behind the counter was going through his flies and said, "Oh, that's a that's a nice looking caddis there. That should work. That'll get you some fish there." And and that oh those nymphs there, you know, they're they're that'll be in the ballpark. They ought to work for you. And he said, "What's that? That looks like some kind of waltz worm there." And and my friend said, kind of proudly, he said, "Well, that's not some kind of waltz worm." He said, "That that is that is an actual waltz worm t- tied by the in, inventor of that fly." <laughs> and the guy said do you know Walt Young? And he said, yeah. He said, I'm going to fish with him here in a couple weeks. And he said, is he still alive? (laughs) It was funny, but then it was kind of a reality check too because I'm I'm thinking, does that mean I've been around so long that people think I might not be around anymore? So (laughs) that, uh, I I guess that really puts me into the old school uh, definition there. Oh. Hey, that's no big. I like I said, I have made so many connections with guys from, uh, well, I'll call it your generation, and they have been so willing to share, and I, I've just treasured all those. So I, I'm glad you came in and sit with us today. Yeah, this it, a it was show. a lot of fun. I, I appreciate you asking me. I, I'll tell you, I uh, I don't do everything like this that I get asked. I, in fact, I even I didn't even know how to find where your podcast was that, oh. that's how socially media <laughs> retarded i uh-huh. am <laughs> I mean, but you know i i put on uh i i, I did find it and yeah. i listened to a couple of them yeah. you know i thought okay okay so, so i did kind of <laughs> check things out before i i and 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 the good thing is it's just sound there's no picture yep because, you know, we all have faces for radio here, guys. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Ba- back to the sexy waltz worm or not? <laughs> 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 I, I, I got to tell this story. I, okay. I'll never forget. We were at the symposium, and it was me, you, 
Josh, Josh Miller, Tim Camisa, and I think Son might have been there. We were all standing there talking together, and uh, Josh goes, "Okay, well, I know where the waltz worm came from, but where in the world did they get sexy waltz from?" <laughs> <laughs> and I honestly, got, I'd, I'd heard about it. I had no clue what it even was, yeah. you know, because there again, just leave it alone. Because yeah. guys would say, "Would you put a tip?" No, just just leave just, it alone. Yep. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. It you works know. fine the way it is. Yeah, yeah. I just. Less is more. Less is know. more, exactly. Simple is better. Yep. All right. Well, let's close her up, guys. This is a great show, and uh, we're going to get this out to you, and hopefully you come back for our next one. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad. You, thanks for coming on, Walt. And uh, until next week, when we bring you another guest, this is the Bugs and Beard Podcast. See you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bugs and Beard Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by WholesalersFlyShop.com. Head on over to the website for all your fly fishing and fly tying needs. Plus, you can also find a link there to the Wholesalers Fly Shop YouTube channel. The channel is full of information with over 250 videos covering fly tying and fly fishing techniques geared towards making your time on the water more enjoyable. From all of us here at the Bugs and Beard Podcast, we hope you'll subscribe to our channel and tune in next week as we discuss the sport we love so well. Until next time, get out there on the water and tight lines. <laughs>